This talk was given at the North Carolina Zen Center. Our program is made possible with the support of our members and friends. If you'd like to make a donation or become a member, please visit us at www.nczencenter.org. We have found that one can aid their own understanding of a Dharma talk, or Taisho, if you sit in meditation beforehand, and we encourage you in this practice. I am um, so uh, grateful to be here in North Carolina again, uh, thanks to the interwebs. Uh, uh, to reintroduce myself, I'm, I'm James Ford, and I am uh, actually part of your extended Dharma family, uh, 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 a relative to Teshin, and therefore to all of you. It, it really is a pleasure to be back here again. Uh, I uh, uh, have just recently completed a, a session in Seattle, and there we we were exploring the the Heart Sutra, and and I gave a talk then, and and out of that, I uh, I'm hoping this time I can give it again, fixed. Uh, so we'll see. The um, the nub of it all is. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Uh, it's not only the nub of the Zen text, the Heart Sutra, it is the nub of our Zen way. Our teachers claim if we get it, really get it as a bone and marrow understanding, troubled hearts are set free and um, we are at ease. At the same time, it can seem to be some sort of non sequitur. Uh, so it can be good to approach the matter from different angles. Perhaps one touches us more deeply than another. How about um, that saying, everything is nothing with a twist. It's posted all over the interwebs, or at least in the corner of the metaverse where I generally hang out. Sometimes it's even illustrated with a circle for nothing, and then that infinity sign, uh, um, a figure eight on its side for everything. Reality as a kind of Mobius strip. Now, all the things we experience and think, now something else. The phrase is, always attributed to Kurt Vonnegut. Those who offer citations usually say it comes from his novel, Slaughterhouse-Five. However, I found a couple of searchable PDFs of the novel and well, I'm pretty sure it's not there. Curious, I found another citation saying it's in Cat's Cradle. Again, a search through a PDF and well, again, it comes up empty. Perhaps this is not the good empty, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Another said breakfast of champions. And again, nada. As Kurt Vonnegut really did say, so it goes. <laughs> I love that nothing with a twist becomes something. I actually double love that it probably wasn't said by Kurt Vonnegut. 
What we're left with in this observation about nothing twisting into everything is a whole lot of ambiguity from where does it come to where is it going? All as mysterious as twisting nothing. And as pretty much any Zen student can quote at the mention of ambiguity, not knowing is most intimate, kind of our trademark, all part of the investigation of the deep matter of our lives. Within our Zen teachings, those deep matters are caught up with those words, nothing and empty, which are our more popular ways of translating shunyata. Buddhism has always known nature of things, the fascicle of the Nikaya, the Nikayas being the putative sayings and actions of the historic Buddha captured in Pali, offers a for instance. Form is like a lump of foam, feeling like a water bubble. Perception is like a mirage, volitions like a plantain trunk, and consciousness like an illusion. And then after some more text, it concludes, however, one may ponder it and carefully investigate it. It appears but hollow and void when one views it carefully. Of course, <clears throat> the Mahayana, and specifically the Heart Sutra, doesn't let it conclude with assertions about the insubstantiality of things. It all quickly gets messy. It's all kind of like a black hole. The closer we get to what that word shanyata in all its versions is pointing toward, the weirder it becomes. Even trying to use it in a sentence about shanyata gets slippery. What it, after all? Out of this, sometimes we hear the assertion, there is no self, as in the self is an illusion. Or accurately, I think, is the Buddhist assertion, there is no abiding self. I certainly have a sense of self and I, and I suspect you may as well. What Buddhism points about that I is that it consists of a bundle of things, much of which we can name, like genetic coding and experiences. One of the catches is that it's a moment. That I is always changing, being recreated in smaller or larger ways with every encounter, every experience. There is a sense of a thread, but within Buddhism, that thread is a bit of geography. That sense of location may be changing a bit more slowly than, say, our emotions do. But like continents, even the geography of self shapes and reshapes over time. Change is the rule. We exist, of course we do, but it's with that insight that we might relate to everything is nothing with a twist. And it's why whoever actually said it, why that line feels to be a Zen thing. And it certainly offers a delightful way to look at the heart of the Heart Sutra. Anyone who visits any Zen center throughout North America has heard the Heart Sutra. Perhaps in Sino-Japanese, the liturgical language of Japanese Buddhism, basically Chinese pronounced as if it were Japanese, or if the center is from a Chinese, Korean, or Vietnamese tradition in that language, or sometimes an archaic version of that language, or 
and increasingly so, perhaps most commonly now in English. The Heart Sutra is very brief and its message is telegraphed so fast, the subtlety and depth of its teachings can easily be missed. The fact that it ends with a mantra, a sacred phrase, can be a bit of a misdirection for some. There is an assertion, after all, that just chanting it has some magical efficacy. Well, maybe it does. I actually kind of think so myself. But most of all, the real magic comes with the inviting us to allow the heart of the message to enter our hearts as our own truths. <clears throat> Excuse me. We well might find that as we listen to the words, that nothing in that twist appears. It's all about emptiness and how that emptiness and the world are not two. The form that is the emptiness exactly and the twist that is the everything of nothing. The Korean Zen missionary, Master Sung San, tries to explain what he means, what it means by way of an example, and I quote him. Here is a wooden chair. It is brown. It is solid and heavy. It looks like it could last a long time. You sit in the chair and it holds up your weight. You can place things on it, but then you light the chair on fire and leave. Must be a Korean thing. When you come back later, the chair is no longer there. This thing that seemed so solid and strong and real is now just a pile of cinder and ash, which the wind blows around. The example shows how the chair is empty. It is not a permanent abiding thing. It is always changing. It has no independent existence. Over a long or short time, the chair will eventually change and become something other than what it appears. So this brown chair is complete emptiness. But though it always has the quality of emptiness, this emptiness is form. You can sit in the chair and it will still hold you up. Ending the quote. We're real, you and I. Pinch me and I guarantee you it will hurt. And at the same time, we exist only within causal relationships. The me that is real is also very temporary. I'm the product, as you are, of many different situations coming together in a glorious moment. I exist as a moment, which in a heartbeat will shift, and I, the part that thinks I, will be gone. But to think this means we live for some brief period of time, and then we are food for worms, is vastly too reductive. It misses too much and focuses on too little, at least as the Heart Sutra suggests. So let's put aside the brown chair, which the master only means to use an analogy to something, or okay, nothing, that nothing with a twist. For me, it brings questions like Athena springing forth from Zeus's forehead, one of many, but this one like a god a goddess. An important question when we step beyond simple logical analysis and look at what this all means in our lived and experienced lives. In my life, in your life, what does it mean when nothing twists into everything?
This is about a lot more than brown chairs. It is about what is true about us, you and me. In the Zen way, a koan is an assertion and an invitation. That assertion about insubstantiality, about nothing, comes with the invitation into that twist might best be engaged as a koan. Instead of being something somehow special and not of this world, we're being invited into something rather glorious, a place of radical interdependence. While we are all inherently temporary, there's a deeper point. And that point is what we are at this moment, connected to all other moments, directly and indirectly. The Western-born Zen master Bernie Glassman says, emptiness is just everything, just as it is right now. Another Western Zen master in a Chinese lineage, John Crook, tells us when we catch this, our notion of everything as empty now expands and expands until everything we can think of, the vast cosmos itself, is seen as vast emptiness, vastness, unlimited, unbounded, spaciousness, timeless presence. I find this mysterious pregnant emptiness at the foundation point of Mahayana Buddhism. Not precisely one, not exactly two. In religious studies, this perspective is called non-duality. Non-duality is a current found within the world's mystical traditions. It is expressed sometimes implicitly, the quietest of whispers, and sometimes explicitly, a shout a firm grabbing of one's shoulders, a great shake, and an invitation for our own encounter. Generally, I find the Zen way clearest in its approach to this whole thing. But I've also found within those mystical currents of the world's religions, other pointers, sometimes enormously helpful. For instance, a term from Western antiquity, pleroma, it can be helpful as an alternative to what is misleading about emptiness. Pleroma, pleroma means fullness, rich, fascinating, and useful, if, of course, itself ultimately misleading as a term for that fundamental encounter of our hearts. Words, joyful things. They point and misdirect at the same time. There are some very good words like that. I suggest pregnant. Could be another good if also as is always the case misleading word empty full pregnant this is important because it's about our lives yours and mine it's about who and what we are and it's about the great quest that is the zen way i would suggest this is the heart of the whole of the spiritual life in all traditions we approach this matter obliquely through a glass darkly, or as I suggested earlier, like approaching a black hole, swirling and swirling around. That's why I thought it helpful to understand my actual lived experience with Shenyata on occasion is not unlike being possessed by the god, Athena breaking forth goddess, god, more difficult words, certainly some wild otherness, a dark glass or a black hole, and being taken up by it is a way many human beings name an encounter that precedes 
words. Not the only one, but a powerful way into that nothing with a twist. Here we are, in a time we've set aside to fully attend to the matter of the heart-mind. Silence, liturgy, and words. It's all about paying attention, noticing, being present, empty, full, pregnant, and, well, birthing. All of it. Let's try another image. I find I've been invited into an intimate encounter with some very dark parts of my heart. Sometimes it's shit, plain and simple. And sometimes it is the rich soil that allows things to grow. And sometimes there is no way to sort these things out. Layer upon layer intertwined becoming. Each it and each not quite it. So form is emptiness and emptiness is form. So everything is nothing with a twist. I open my heart to experiences where these assertions take me. And where is that? What might this place where nothing twists actually feel like? When we're surprised by that joy which passes all understanding, what is that like? How do we recognize it? When we feel it, what does it feel like birthing this goddess, seeing things as they are, knowing for yourself that twist? I have my experiences and I recognize them elsewhere. For instance, I sometimes think of the 92nd Psalm of the Jewish tradition as an expression from that place. In my paraphrase, it is good to sing praise to you, my heart, to give thanks for the blessings of life, to notice love coursing through my body in the morning and faithfulness through the night. I hear our human voices as music and silence as melody. I delight in your world. You make my body sing with joy. How great is your goodness, how unfathomable your deep currents, not seen by eyes, not grasped by mind, everything united, everything touching. The mess of life shows everything connected, everything the eternal Dharma. The wise heart flourishes like palm trees, grown like the cedars of Lebanon, planted in the deep, dark soil of God, leaves relentlessly turning to the light, bearing fruit into old age, living the truth of perfect unity. Here we are. The Heart Sutra sings of a reality we can know for ourselves. Form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. Everything is nothing with a twist, and that twist, the goddess birthing intimacy upon intimacy. <laughs>